Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is told in two parts of the Scriptures. Luke 11, which is where the disciples come and that line that we've used as the title of our series, Teach Us to Pray, comes from. But the main text and the one that we've been using comes from Matthew chapter 6. But before Jesus launches in to giving them the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he has this little narrative that gives a context and introduction to what he's about to teach us. And I want to read that to us this morning as our starting point from Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. Jesus says this to his disciples. It's part of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages ever preached, one of the greatest texts ever preached. It's full of the most amazing concepts, the most revolutionary concepts, things like love your enemies and pray for your enemies and just crazy stuff. But Jesus in the midst of it talks about prayer and he says this to his disciples, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. The synagogue for the people that Jesus was talking to was their local place of worship. So he wouldn't be, we're probably not familiar with that, but that's what he's saying. When you go to your local place of worship, in other words, to us today, when you go to church, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus then goes on to say, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. We talk about prayer like we all understand the concept, but I want to start by asking the question, what is prayer? See, Jesus teaches on prayer and starts by intentionally addressing two things, the form of prayer and the heart of prayer. In other words, how we pray and why we pray. And for the people that he's talking to, his disciples, prayer was something they were so familiar with. And they would have seen it in all its forms and functions. It was a very visible part of their community and their faith life. They would have seen people that almost established themselves as the professional prayers. As Jesus says, you know, when they stand in the synagogues or on the street corners and they pray for everybody to see and experience, well, Jesus says they've already received their reward in full. What is their reward? Not a conversation with God, but the praise of others. You see, the disciples would have seen people that they would have labeled as the professional prayers. Prayer in their day had an art form. It had a status. For many, it was seen as the public declaration of one's own personal spiritual depth. In other words, the more articulate you are able to pray, the more rhythm and form you are able to build into your prayer life, the closer to God that you were. And if I can sum up what Jesus says about the example of prayer that many of the disciples have seen, it's found in one very simple word, don't. Just don't. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. He says, when you pray, Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray. In other words, he accepts and expects that this is a very normal part 
of the Christian life and rhythm. He says, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't be the one standing on the street corners or in the public places looking for the adoration and the acclamation of men. Because if that is all you are after, if all you are looking is for people to come up and say, that was a wonderful prayer you prayed today. There is your reward in full, Jesus says. And more than that, when you pray, don't just babble on and rant on just with random stuff or feeling like there's something in your words or in the tone of your voice or in how much you shout or how much you repeat yourself or how much you say the name Jesus in your prayer. Don't, don't babble on like the pagans do because you don't need to twist and manipulate God's arm. You go right back to the, the very fabric of the community that God formed in the Old Testament, when he gave them what most people have heard of, these things called the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments he said was, do not use the Lord's name in vain. Now, when I grew up, everyone just said, that means you just never use God in a, in a cursory sentence. When you want to curse something, you just never use the name of Jesus. You never swear. But it's more than that. You see, there was a time where people just thought if you could manipulate the gods, if you could manipulate the gods, you'd get them to do what you wanted them to do. And so when people spoke to their deity, whatever it was in their pagan day, you know, they'd find ways of just babbling on and be like, come on, Lord, you Lord, should Lord do this for us, Lord. You know, and Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. In other words, I'm not here to be manipulated. I don't want you to manipulate me into a relationship. Jesus says, look at that example and don't do it. But let's be vulnerable for a minute because I wonder if for many of us, We've wrestled with the same things, just in different ways. You know, we've seen prayer as some kind of special thing or, or a particular form of spirituality that we need to participate in. And, and it's something that over time we should grow in. You know, many of us have ranked ourselves in our ability to pray. Let me ask you some very probing, searching, quite confronting questions this morning. Number one, have you ever found yourself thinking... I'm not going to pray out loud because I'm not a good prayer. Ever been in the context, and this probably applies to those of you here that have regularly grown up or spent significant time in Christian community. Have you ever been in a time, maybe at the end of your life group, when the leader does the right thing and says, we should pray. Anyone got any prayer points? Okay, anyone that wants to pray should, can pray now. And you've closed your eyes and you're sitting there thinking, I ain't opening my mouth because if they hear what comes out of my mouth, I am not a good prayer. Or maybe you've gone the other way. You've heard someone else pray and you're sitting there thinking, whew, they are an exceptional prayer. I'm no good at that. They are an exceptional prayer. Man, the rhythm of their voice, the tone of the way they address the Lord, the way they slow it at the right times and they build to a crescendo and they use words that I've never anticipated coming out of my mouth before. Man, that person is a really good prayer. Maybe you've spent an entire prayer meeting, if you've ever sat in one, oblivious to everyone else's prayer, because in your head, you're trying to script something that you're happy to come out of your mouth. Ever done that? You want to take this, let me just give you some professional advice, you want to take this to the next level, you've got to learn to nod and agree with the prayer, even though you're not listening, so you've got to build the right, so there's people that are sitting there going, in your head, you're thinking, okay... How can I say this so it sounds good? Someone else is praying. I have no idea what they're saying. But as I'm thinking of my thing, I'm just going, mm, yeah, mm, mm, amen to that, mm, yeah. 
Mm. Mm. And I'm praying for them. Mm. Yes, we stand with you. Mm. Maybe you found yourself in a space completely oblivious to the conversation because you're so concerned about the script going on in your own mind. Or, or, or finally, have you ever felt, question number four, have you ever felt like the effectiveness of your prayer is something that needs to be unlocked by finding the right tone, the right form, or the right words? Ever thought that? Well, I've seen people that pray and stuff happen, so maybe the thing I'm missing is the right way to pray. Maybe there's something, maybe God likes it when we shout at him. Maybe he's a little bit slow to hearing, so if I can just raise my voice, because some of the prayers that I've seen, they just raise their voice to God and they yell at him and say, if it is your will, Lord Jesus. Man, I do not pray like that. Have you ever asked any of those four questions of yourself? I don't think I'm a good prayer. Wow, they're an exceptional prayer. Well, you've sat there, it's not a question, you just have one of those experiences, is what I should say. If you have, today you are not alone. And that is no judgment that I pass on any other person sitting in this room. But I could, with all integrity, say that at times in my life, every one of those four examples have been something going on for me. So if everyone else has got it together, fantastic. That's all them. Just come and hang out with me. You'll feel better about yourself really quickly. You see, Jesus wants to challenge our understanding of prayer. And if I can sum up his pretext to the Lord's Prayer, it's this. Our language, our posture, and our focus will change when we become aware of who our audience is. And so if when we pray, this is our audience, we'll pray in a particular way. Because what we're looking for is the accolade of the crowd. But if our audience is the audience of one, something changes in the way we pray, in the language that we use, in the posture we take, in the focus that we have. And we want to talk about that this morning as Jesus launches in to a way to pray by saying, here's where you start. Just start by saying, our Father. I want to be really careful this morning that no one walks away hearing that, that I'm suggesting that scripting a prayer is wrong. You know, there's plenty of times, man, I, I pour over the prayers that I script if I'm doing a wedding or a funeral or on a formal occasion. But even in those moments, the question I want to encourage you with is, who, who are you scripting the prayer for? Because even the scripted prayers that we have, even the prayers that, you know, the, the beauty of sometimes writing out a prayer and sticking it on your fridge, we encourage you to do that last week, is that even when you've got no capacity to come up with something or you are just so empty in your spirit that you don't even know the words to use there's something that you can go to and go God this is my heart and you can read it and you can pray it there's always been place for the liturgy of prayer in our experience but what is prayer Tim Keller says this we can define prayer as a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. Philip Yancey in his book on prayer says this, the main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier, nor to gain magical powers, but simply to know God. Are we picking up the theme? It's personal, it's relational. Eugene Peterson, the guy that gave us the message paraphrase, says this, 
Here's the thing. Prayer is personal language or it's nothing. Because God is personal, emphatically personal, three-personed personal. In other words, a little kind of cheer to the Trinity. When we use impersonal language in this most personal of all relations, the language just doesn't work. So what is prayer? I want to suggest that prayer is the starting point of our relationship with God. It's choosing to enter into conversation with him. And so Jesus says everything that prayer is not and what we shouldn't do. Don't pray to get the accolades of people. Don't pray and babble on as though you're going to impress God or you're going to twist his arm. He says this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. What's so powerful about those two words? Our Father, our Father. Jesus, from the very beginning of his prayer, wants to make something abundantly clear to us, and it's this. The prayer is an invitational to a deeply intimate connection with your Creator. And so Jesus says, when you pray, come to God as your dad. Talk to him as your dad. And so today I want to ask the question of how do we talk to our dad? Because when we start to discover that the invitation that God gives us is to talk to him as our dad, it changes the way we speak and it changes the confidence in which we choose to approach him. Let me give you a crazy example of what I think Jesus wants us to see and hear and experience and bring into our prayer life. Would you welcome my number three son to the stage, Isaac Main? He's going to join me. Come on, Isaac. He wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, if dad needs someone, everybody else is either in kid zone or helps in kid zone, and I'm stuck in the front row. So I'm the, he's the kid that always gets called upon. But Isaac is, this is not just an acting moment. You can pick it up, buddy. It's all right. Just relax. He is my son who I love, who I have relationship with. We have moments where we're angsty at each other, but God has just filled my heart with incredible love for this child, part of my family. I actually love him more than I love any of you, apart from Chrissy. Any of you, right? But that's okay. You're all good people. But at the end of the day, I'd give up everything for my family and you guys can work it out for yourselves. There's just something that happens in the heart of a dad when God gifts him with a child. Right? My heart just jumps for joy with this child. My heart breaks for this child. But, but imagine if our relationship, I'd love just to point out the fact that Sam let his football roll to the front of you. Come on, Sammy, come and get it. I know you're just craving to play with your mate. So. <laughs> but something, something about our relationship is reflected in the language in which we use for one another. Now imagine if Isaac spoke to me the way I've asked him to speak to me today. There you go, buddy. Father, I beseech you to allow me the grace to investigate the pantry. Thy hands have so graciously stocked. Allow me the privilege of scanning the divinely stocked shelves of provision. As Psalmist wrote, all creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. And so today, I petition your Father, allow me the grace to behold and enjoy the sweet taste of your pantry that flows with promised milk and honey, which today I graciously hope to enjoy on my wheat books. Amen. Parents, I'm suggesting a new rhythm for which our children will now speak to us. For those that need interpretation, the way that would play out in my family is, Dad, I'm hungry, can you pass me the cereal? 
Isaac, prayer number two. Thank you, son. Gracious Father, my brethren have requested my presence at the table of the golden arches this hour. <laughs> if it be thy will, I ask for your permission to partake in the meal and your protection of my journey. While the road may seem treacherous, I trust the protection of he who cares for me. Put your fatherly hedge of protection around your humble child so I may know the goodness of and gen generosity. You said, ask and it shall be. You also said, Father, that you love to bless your children. You also said, Father, your word will never return void. You also said that your promises will always be. And today I plead to you, allow me this opportunity, if it be your will. Amen. To interpret for you, Dad, my mates are going to Maccas, can I go with them? Dave got his license back last week, and he said he can take me and you told me last week that it was good for me to go this week. Just, it's a crazy, crazy illustration. But there's something in us that feels like we need to take on a different language when we talk to God. It's, it's like we start to talk in words and tones that we would never use before. I don't even know what a hedge of protection is, but I've heard that phrase a thousand times. And it sounds good in a prayer from my child. But Jesus gives us a different invitation. He says, when you come to me in prayer, do this. Say, Dad, our Father. Jesus models this himself, right? When he gets to one of the darkest moments of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, the cross is just in the view of where he is going. He knows in his heart that the minute and the moment that God had purposed for him to come to earth was about to unfold in front of everyone. He was going to experience the most excruciating 24 hours that a human can experience. Not just physically, but emotionally, relationally. He was going to be abandoned, abused, ridiculed. Everything that could happen that is the worst of humanity was about to be visited on Jesus. And so he takes his disciples to a garden just outside of the city named the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is clearly troubled. And Jesus, as he falls down to pray, the scripture records it, he cries out, Abba, Father. Really interesting that in our translation of the scriptures, they've held on to this term, Abba. Because Abba is a very personal and relational term. And you know what essentially Jesus says to his dad? He says, Dad, it's almost beyond that. It's almost like Daddy. Abba, Father, Daddy. If you can take this cup from me. Jesus models the very thing that he invites us into, which is a personal, real, and relational dialogue with our Heavenly Father. And so when we come to prayer, here's the invitation. Don't worry about getting the words right. Don't worry about using the right rhythm or the right tone. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about what comes out of your mouth. Just picture yourself talking to your Heavenly Dad. And whatever comes, he's going to be okay with. Jesus uses it in a different context, another story where he wants to talk about honour. But he, he picks on a Pharisee who, kind of the way he speaks and the way he acts, everybody just looks at him and thinks he's a super spiritual guy. And then he looks at a tax collector in the corner, just wailing and beating his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God says, who, Jesus says, who do you think has had the more intimate connection? Who do you think, you know, Jesus is here in the prayer of? God's here in the prayer of. 
says the one that's just real. And Jesus in saying to us, when you pray, start by saying our Father invites us into a real relationship and an intimate relationship. You know what one of the things that gets in our way of seeing ourselves in a relationship where we can address God as our Father is like so many things in life, maybe your experience of what a father is actually doesn't set yourself up to lean into God as a good and a loving father. Maybe this morning, as I say to you, God invites us just to address him as dad. There's something just in your spirit that says, that sounds like a nice concept, but if you knew what that meant for me to talk to anyone as my dad. I just want to talk to that for a minute. Because, you know, for some of us, we've had a dad that was absent. Maybe some of us here today never knew our father. And so when Jesus says, when you're talking to you, to God, just, just address him as father, just dad. You're like, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I, I've had no language to talk to my own father. How can I speak to my heavenly father in a language that makes no sense to me? Maybe your, God, your dad wasn't absent. Maybe your dad was just distant. Maybe he was present in your space, but he wasn't present in your life, if you know what I mean. Maybe you just had a hard or a harsh or an unapproachable dad. You would never consider going to. Actually, I I, I had a bit of fun with it this morning, but the way that Isaac spoke to me, you think, man, if you knew the way that my dad expected me to address him, you would understand that that illustration's not that far from the truth. So maybe your experience of dad is just hard and harsh and unapproachable and one that doesn't want you to draw near at all. And so when Jesus says, when you pray, just pray, Abba, Father, Dad, Daddy, you're just like, man, I... I wouldn't even know how to talk in relationship to my dad. Maybe you had a father that was disinterested. Again, he was present in your life, but he just had no interest in you as a person or what you did. He didn't really care, good, bad, or otherwise. Maybe you had a dad that was legalistic. What's that mean? Maybe you had a dad that just jumped on any stupid thing you did, any bad decision you made, any mistake you made any accident in your life and they just jumped on you and maybe you kind of, you know, received significant overwhelming and overreaching discipline in your life. Maybe your dad was just overly legalistic and when you think about a heavenly father, you can't move past this picture of a legalistic father who's just waiting with bated breath for you to make your next big stuff up. Some of us come to God and we just think he's waiting. He's just watching. He's here today and he's scanning. He's like, are they going to fall asleep in church today? Are they 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 gossiping this morning? What were they looking at? Some of us just think that God is just poised to pounce on us in every bad move. And that, that doesn't matter all the good stuff that you do. The minute that you step out of line and do something bad, he's like, finally, I got him. This is what I've been waiting for. And you see God like that because that's just what your dad was like. For those of us here this morning who've had a really bad experience of fatherhood, I just want to speak some promises over you from the scripture that tell us what God is like as our dad. Where our God might have been absent, the scriptures tell us this, that God is present. The psalmist writes this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The psalmist just says, God is always with us. I can't escape his presence. In the good 
in the mountaintop experiences when all is going well and my life is full of joy, he is there. When everything's falling apart and I'm in the darkest night, God is with us. There is nowhere that you can go to flee from the presence of your heavenly Father. Whereas your dad might have been absent, the scriptures want to make it very clear that God is near. In commanding a young leader by the name of Joshua as he's about to step in to a huge challenge confronting him, he says these words, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the writer of Hebrews picks up that term later in the scriptures in the New Testament and says, you know, Jesus says this, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. God is present in your life, but he is near. He desires to be close to you. I always have this little kind of picture in my head that, you know, many of us feel like God is distant. I reckon the only thing that makes that feel the case is not God's distance, but our perspective. And sometimes all it takes is for us to change our perspective and we'll realize how near God actually is. Some of us have just had a hard heart, unapproachable dad. Well, scriptures want to tell us that our heavenly father is a compassionate father. The psalmist again writes this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Some of us had a father that was distant, but the scriptures tell us that God, our father, is intimately interested in our life. Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 10, are not two sparrows sold for a penny. In other words, two birds that in his day had very little value economically. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. God, your heavenly Father, is so intimately interested in your life. And maybe your dad was legalistic, or the Bible wants to tell us that our heavenly Father is defined by love and defined by grace. The psalmist, then I call on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Let me get the band up to join me. Because as I finish today, I want, I want to usher us into a new invitation in prayer. Because there's some implications when we discover that God is our Father. You know, when we, when we pray, our Father. And when we lean into a prayer that addresses a dad that loves us, that is near to us, that is present with us, that's interested in us, that is gracious and compassionate towards us, our language changes. If in forming a prayer we become too focused on how others are going to perceive us and the eloquence of our words, we've missed the heart of the invitation that Jesus gives just to address him as Father God, as Dad. What does it look like for you as you begin to pray just to address God as dad? Some of us in our faith life have sat silence in prayer because we've been so concerned that we're not a good prayer. I've never judged the value of my son on how articulate he is when he talks to me. Some days I want to challenge the respect. Some days I want to remind him that it'd be good to say thanks, not just ask for stuff. Some days I want to remind him that I'm making a decision he doesn't like and that's okay because I have a perspective that's different to him. I reckon it's the same in our conversation with God. 
But never does he feel like he just can't come to me and talk to me as his dad. As you start this journey of discovering what it means to pray, just say, Dad, this is what I want to tell you. Heavenly Father, today's been rubbish. And I've got a bad attitude and I don't know what to do about it. Amen. Father, today's been incredible. Thanks thanks for the good day. Thanks thanks for the chance to hang out with friends. God, I'm really nervous about this meeting. I'm really worried about this meeting I'm about to step into. Would you just help me? I don't even know what else to ask. Just help me. Like if you spend your whole time going, how how am I going to phrase this in a way that God's going to understand and care? Just talk to him like you talk to a heavenly father that just doesn't care about the way you phrase it, just cares about the fact that you want to chat to him. Our father, don't let language become a barrier for your conversation with your dad. See, if we embrace God as our father, not only does our language look different, but our confidence looks different. My kids have no qualms asking me for anything. It's just the relationship exists that they feel completely confident to approach me at any time with any request. As we embrace God as our Father, our confidence in prayer changes. And finally, our rhythm looks different. I said this a few weeks ago, we've got a son now that has a license and with a license comes from freedom. I lay in bed last night working out how to, because I don't like my phone on at night. Like I don't really... I don't know why, I just don't really want people ringing me and waking up my sleep, so I, I mute it or do whatever. And, but I'm like, okay, how do I mute this thing but give my son special access to me? Like, if, if Jimmy's broken down on the side of the M1, I don't want to hear from him. Ring RCQ. If, you know, the wind blew your roof off and you're wondering if there's a bed at the main house, don't ring me because, you know, just ring Jimmy. (laughs) But Eli, if you need to know what petrol bowser to use to put fuel in your car, buddy, and it's 1am, ring me. So I worked out how to get my phone to work so that none of you can ring me in the night, but my son can. So if you need me, you've got to ring Eli and then Eli's got to ring me, right? That's just how it goes. I did add Chrissy as well, by the way. Don't ring her though, because we'll put her phone on silent as well. My point is right, the rhythm of prayer looks different because if we don't see God as our dad, we feel like there's set times and set places and set ways and set words and set rhythms by which we must approach him. But if he's our dad, we can just call on him whenever. He, that's actually what he wants. He just wants us to know that he's always there for us. So Jesus says this, Disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus says, okay, let's start here. Our Father in heaven. When you pray, church, start there. Dad, Heavenly Father, let your prayer life flow from there. And if someone else doesn't like the way you pray or the words you use or how short it is, That's their issue. Because it's not them that you're talking to. It's your Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, today, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your words in the scripture. 
Heavenly Father, we just come to you with confidence. Thank you for the invitation just to be honest and to be real and to be vulnerable and to be open. Lord, at times just to spew the angst of our day and the angst of our heart. Lord, at times just to speak words of gratitude. Thank you that your invitation to us in prayer is just to sit in relationship with a Father who loves us and wants us to come near. Lord, I want to pray that you just set some people free today of the expectation of feeling like they're not a good prayer because it's never about how good a prayer we are because being a good prayer is never the end goal. Talking to our daddies. You free some people to find a new rhythm in prayer, a new confidence in prayer, a new language in prayer, I pray, in the name of Jesus. you jump in your life groups this week, as you get in the car, as you get in your personal spaces of devotion, as you've maybe for the first time this week go, you know what, I'm never really praying, I'm going to give this a go. Start there. Our Father, and then talk to your dad. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family, and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services, because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.